Well, good morning. My, my name is Scott Jester. I'm on the team here at Grace. It's great to see everyone here. I'm excited to be able to share with all of you this morning. And today, uh, we're beginning a two-week series on the topic of calling. And at the very beginning of this series, I just want to give us all a framework of what the hope is that we'll accomplish during the next two weeks. I think it's a really important topic for us here at Grace North, um, both for us individually, um, as couples, if you're married here, um, or as families overall, uh, just to give us a greater sense of clarity of what it is that we're called to in a healthy way to evaluate decisions that we make. And we make a lot of decisions daily, weekly, monthly. And the thing is, when it comes to this topic, um, there's going to be a little homework that we're going to give you um, as you leave this place. So just be ready for that. Um, so this morning, we're going to work hopefully on gaining an understanding of the calling that God has for us, again, both individually as families. And next week, we'll be working through what it looks like to take steps to move into that. And there's a couple of families that are going to be sharing next week to help us in that. And this idea of calling is an opportunity for us, all of us, to have a filter as we deal with life decisions, maybe a new job, maybe a new opportunity, whether or not we should play a particular sport or be involved in a particular activity, whether or not we should move, buy a new car, buy a new boat, whatever it may be. Um, As we think through those things and make these decisions, do we have a filter that we work through in order to make those decisions? I actually brought with me today a filter. Anybody know what this is? This is a furnace filter, and I'm assuming as I hold this up, there's probably some of you in this room going, I need to change my furnace filter. I totally forgot, right? Um, But I brought in this this filter just to help give us a picture of what this looks like. Um, So reality is that, you know, in our lives, we have a lot of pressures um, that we have that are on us. We have a lot of opportunities. Um, We have a lot of different values that are put upon us. Um, We have all of these things that we have on us, and the question is, do we have a a filter like this, you know, in a house, you have all the air going through your house, and and the goal is for the air to go through this filter, and then on the other side of this filter to have uh, cleaner air. Well, in our lives, do we have these these, this filter that allows us to take all of these things that we have in our lives and run them through something in order to have something healthier on the other side or more, more clarity on what it is that we're called to do or called to be. And certainly the world has its filter and scripture has its filter. And oftentimes the two don't line up. And so of course, naturally, we're going to be talking about what does Scripture have to say? What does the filter of Scripture look like for us today? And in the Bible, the word call is used most often to refer to God's initiative to bring people to Christ, to become Christ's followers, and to participate in His redemptive work in the world. I mean, this sense of calling is especially prominent in the letters of Paul. If you look through Paul's letters in the New Testament, and whether or not the word call is actually used in, the, in those letters. And so I want to just share a few of those here. Romans 1 says this, Romans 1, 6, And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. In Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called 
according to his purpose. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And I know last week on Easter, um, we had people here at Grace Gathering that professed faith in Christ for the very first time. Super encouraging. It says this in verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us or called us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making an appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So this idea of calling, according to the letter of Paul, is all about a restored relationship with God. We've been called to this relationship with God through Jesus, and then to share this relationship with other people, to be missionaries, and to bring God's kingdom to the world around us, to see more of everything that God's kingdom is about around us more and more. I mean, that's what we're called to. It encompasses all of a person's being and doing. So there's this umbrella call on all of our lives to belong to Jesus, to be his disciple, and to participate in his redemptive or kingdom work, making all things new. So that's really the the first filter, right? Are the things that we're a part of, the different parts of our lives, do they fit with an understanding of that filter? And this is, that's the filter that draws us together as, as a community, as a body. That filter brings us together and moves us in the same direction. And we see this call with Jesus' disciples, right? The disciples are out fishing, and Jesus comes to them and says, hey, drop your nets. Come and follow me, belong to me, and I'll do what? I'll make you fishers of men. And then later on, as in Jesus' ministry in John 6, as Scripture says, you know, as there were many that were following Jesus at the time, many disciples that were, that were following Jesus. Some of them saw the cost, and the cost was too great and began leaving Jesus. And in John 6, 68, Peter, uh, the, Jesus asked the disciples this question, are you guys going to leave me too? And then in John 6, Peter says this. He says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. Peter knew that he was called to follow Jesus. And so we have this umbrella calling, but I believe that that along with that umbrella calling, along with that kind of umbrella calling, that filter, that God has a personal calling, a family calling for each of us that can help guide us in how we fulfill this universal call for all of us. And I want to give, spend just quite a bit of time here this morning just working through and talking through that. I wonder how many in this room have a personal mission statement or a family mission statement. I know that there's some in this room that do, and my hope is that during the next two weeks is that all of us will begin to work through what this means and what this looks like for us. If we've never really thought through that, we've never really developed that, my hope is that during this time that we'll do that. At least we'll begin the process of thinking through what that could look like for you, both individually and as a as a family. And so how do we go about working through something like this? I think there are some factors that can help us gain a better understanding of the calling that God has for us during this season in our lives. And what are, what are those factors? Let me just list some of these factors. So, so one, experiences. 
circumstances, talents, maybe different talents that we have, gifts, passions, where are your passions, maybe other people and, and what other people have said about you, maybe the needs that are surrounding you. And I, I want to share those things, and I'm going to dig deeper into those areas here shortly. But first, I want to just share a little bit of our family's story in this, because this is a journey that our family has been on a lot and we've had a lot of smart people speak to in, into us in this. And so I just want to share a little bit of what we've learned as a family in this particular area. And I, I have to be totally honest with you. Um, much of my life has revolved around the pursuit of the things of the world. If I was honest, and I look back, much of my life has revolved around the pursuit of the things of the world. When I graduated with my unadded, un, undergraduate degree, which it was a few years ago. Now, I went into the work world with something to prove. I mean, I can tend to be um, an ambition guy um, that uh, my tendency is to be driven uh, by just like success um, in competition. I mean, that's, that's what drives me a lot. And so I went into the work world with that reality, with that ambition. And I started off my work life in the church world. And, for, and to me, in order to be successful in that world, in my job, the church had to grow, and we had to have more ministries, we had to have more people, we had to build bigger buildings, and that's what I saw as success at that time. And the thing is that many of those things happened in the first church that I was a part of, that I helped lead, and that church at that time uh, grew from 150 to 800 in just a few years, and we built a nice large building. And the thing was, from a worldly perspective, things were going really well. But underneath the surface, there was a whole lot of unhealth. I mean, the reality was that there were a lot of people that were coming, but very few disciples. And in and and that time, that, that kind of in time, that kind of caught up to us. And I don't want to work through the details here um, because it'd be kind of a long story, but due to the unhealth Shortly after I left, the church went from that 800 back down to about 100 or 150 in just a few years after that. And after leaving the church, I moved into the business world. And in many ways, I took the, the worldly mindset into the business world as I, I started a business focused on the pursuit of success from a worldly point of view, a business that was focused on my success and not the success of others around me. And it took me, it didn't take me long um, for burnout to happen and to take root. And we sold that business four years later to a company that took it to the ground, and that business doesn't exist anymore. And one of the things that my life is full of is full of times where I had to learn the hard way. I mean, any of you guys else re resonate with that? I mean, my life is filled with learning things the hard way. And last week, for those of you that were here, I shared a brief story about a time a few years ago, five years ago or so, where God finally had my full attention. And I was at a point of, of submission and surrender that I knew I had to go through in order to see resurrection and the power in my life and in, in my family. And it was during that time that I really had to take a step back and evaluate my life, looking at the things that my life was about up to that point, and more importantly, what I wanted to do during the, the really the last half of my life, and what intentionality, what does it look like to have greater intentionality in my life? And it's sad that it took me that long 
Um, but God was taking me through and, and took me through a season like that. And that's the season that I spent a lot of time working through our topic today, calling. And this wasn't just a personal journey for me. It's certainly a journey that my family went through as well. And Stacy and I began looking at all the experiences that we had, through, had been through up to that point, the ways that God had gifted each of us, what our passions were, our current circumstances at the time, how other godly people viewed us. And while spending some time working through all these things, we also spent some time listening to what God had to say about it. And this was, this was a process that we went through. And what we were trying to get to was a clear idea of during the next season of our life, what we were going to be about. And then state that so that as we made decisions as a family, that we had a filter to run those decisions through and I'm going to share where we ended up here in a little bit. But before I do that, I just want to share a few more things about this idea of calling. Here are three things that your calling is not. One, your calling is not for you. A true understanding of calling, I think, recognizes that we're called not for our own personal gratification, but for the good of others. Romans 12, 4 through 5 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And then 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, They should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And this others-focused mentality goes against the the individualistic and self-interested, self-driven reality of our society. That's just reality. There's a guy that named Tim Keller, who writes in a book that he wrote, he says this, we are not to choose jobs and conduct or work to fulfill ourselves and to accrue power, for being called by God to do something is empowering enough. We are to see work as a way of service to God and our neighbor. In other words, rather than asking what will make the most money and give me the most status, we're to ask how, with my existing abilities and opportunities, can I be of greatest service to others knowing what I do of God's will and of human need. So young and old, weak or strong, successful, unemployed, wherever you're at, we're each able to fulfill God's calling to care for others. So, so one simple way to discover your calling is to figure out how you can best minister to others with the gifts and abilities that God has given you. For some of us, it might be through our employment, while for others, through our nearest relationships, in their home, in in our neighborhoods, even within each other, within the church here. So our calling is not for us. Our calling, number two, is not from you. We don't choose our callings. By definition, we're called to them. God calls us. We don't call ourselves. Of course, there's, there's human agency in all we do. Our goal is to, is to balance, uh, there's just this balance of divine sovereignty and human responsibility. But, but fundamentally, we're under God's sovereign guidance 
and care. And in our doing, God makes his calling clear. We find our callings with, by, and serving others, and we fulfill our callings as others fulfill theirs. And so as, as you serve others and receive input, correction, affirmation, and opportunities, trust that you have a faithful father, a dad, who created you in Christ Jesus for good works, which God had prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2. And these good works are done in the various callings of the various seasons that God entrusts in us. We're not called to everything, which means we can joyfully lean on and work with the callings of others. We find our callings with, by, and in serving others. And we fulfill our callings as others fulfill theirs. And thirdly, this, your calling is not future tense. So in God's good design, he has likely placed you in a family, in a neighborhood, in a church, in a job, And rather than worry about what's next, be anxious about tomorrow, Jesus calls us to seek God's kingdom in those environments. Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be given to you. There's nothing wrong with with godly ambition or planning for the future, but in all that, we need to make sure the emphasis is on faithfully serving the Lord where he's placed you until he makes it clear, whether through a shift in desires, input from others, a clear word from God, change in circumstance, and usually a combination of them all that he's calling you to something else. But outside of that, God has called you to where you're at right now, and it's taking our current reality and creating a sense of intentionality in our calling, or once again, a filter that gives a greater sense of clarity and purpose in our present reality. So let's look through some of these areas that I shared just a a little bit ago to help us understand the calling that God has for us. And I encourage encourage you to to look through these things as a lens for yourself, personally and for your family. And I would encourage you as well just to to write these things down and begin to write through, uh, write down what these things look like for you um, and work through this process. So the first one, experiences. What are the past experiences that you've had? So as Stacy and I began to look back at our experiences, it was really intriguing because it brought some sense of, of why we acted a certain way, why we were drawn to certain people, why we had a heart for certain people. And I would encourage you to, to make a timeline of your life. And for those of you that are younger in this room, this timeline will be a lot shorter than for some of us. Um, but make a timeline of your life And then mark on that timeline the key experiences that you've had in your life. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but I just would encourage you to do that, to look back and see what your experiences look like and see what those key experiences were. And I think it it tells a story. It tells your story, but it tells a story and it really helps us in understanding our calling for us. The second is this, current circumstances. What are your current life circumstances? And how can your calling fit into those circumstances? Simple things like, where do you live? Where do you go to school? What jobs do you have? Are you employed? Where do you work? Are you battling a sickness? Are you battling an illness? And so on. What are your, what are your current, what's your current reality? What's your current circumstances in your life? And just begin to write those down 
Third is talents. Your talents are those things that God has deposited with you to excel, such as the following, like, like public speaking, teaching, singing, sports, maybe it's mathematics, technology, accounting, writing, painting, cooking, interior design, maybe it's working with children, sales, many others. What are your current talents? And just write those down. What are you good at? And then your gifts. Your gifts are spiritual, your spiritual areas of life that God has blessed you with, with to benefit others around you. They're things that are given to you for you to bless others around you. Romans 12, 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Your gifts may include teaching, service, preaching, encouragement, generosity, music, hospitality, and so on. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And then in Ephesians, Ephesians 4 says this, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. These are the equipping gifts that God has given us. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip, equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Where are you gifted in those areas? Also, your passions. What are you passionate about? Maybe it's coffee. I mean, I know there's some in this room that would say, I'm super passionate, like Menzie over there. I'm super passionate about coffee. Maybe it's clothes. Uh, Maybe it's traveling. Maybe it's uh, a sport. Maybe it's playing an instrument. Maybe it's creating things. Uh, Maybe it's technology. What are you passionate about? Like, what do you get excited about? What does that look like for you? What are the needs surrounding you? Or what are, before that, what are, what are others saying about you? I mean, that's a really key one, right? What, what do other people have to say about you? What are other people saying that you're good at? What are other people saying that, hey, I really appreciate this particular thing about you? What are other people saying about you? And then what are the needs surrounding you? And this is really important. An extremely important consideration is the needs of the world. I really believe that, that this one is key. If, if, if the, key, the key indicator of what God, God wants you is the awareness of what needs to get done around you to make the, what the, world, the world around you better or what God can, intends it to be, then you're in a good place. So it's an understanding of, of what are the needs around you. If you look around you right now, what are the needs around you? And what, what can you do around you to make the world a better place? to bring God's kingdom in the places around you. What does that look like for you? This doesn't necessarily mean huge global problems, but simply anything in the world that needs to, make, needs to be done uh, to make the world a better place, to make it look more like what God intended it to be. As I was reading um, on this, I came across a passage of scripture in Jeremiah 29 that was really intriguing to me. I actually had never noticed it. It's right before the passage of Jeremiah 29, 11, 
where it says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, um, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, that passage. And right before that, um, in Jeremiah 29, verse 5 through 7, it says this. It says, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So it's this idea of what does it look like for us to, to, to engage with the, our city, the people around us, the needs around us. Pray for it, because if it prospers, and if we engage in those things and it prospers, it says you too will prosper. So where are you in all of these areas? I just would encourage you to spend some time in each of these areas and just begin to write those things down. And so I shared that as a family a few years ago, we went through a process of stating our calling and purpose for the next season of our lives. And, and here's where we ended up. Here's what this looks like for us. We believe that God has called us as a family help others step into their fullest potential in Christ and to be family to those that need one, specifically the broken, the marginalized, and the outcasts. That's what God has called us to. We believe that God has called us as a family to help others step into their fullest potential in Christ and to be family to those that need one, specifically the broken, the marginalized, and the outcasts. And so as we make decisions for us, As we make decisions in our life, again, there's many of those decisions that we have to make on a regular basis. As we make those decisions, that has to be the filter that we're using. This includes our our ministry, our jobs, whether or not our children are in extracurricular activities, what colleges our boys choose. That has to be a factor. And we've had those conversations. We, as, as our boys have, looked at, well, okay, what colleges do they choose does those things and do those things fit within the filter that God has called us to? And so it just helps us. It gives us a sense. It gives us an idea. It gives us something to be able to, to ground us, to, to help us to hold on to as we make those decisions. So what does this look like for, for you? What does this look like for you individually? And what does this look like for you maybe as a family, if you're here as a family? I just want to share, just as we close here, just a few questions that I just want to encourage us to ask. First one is this. What is the criteria filter that you use when making important decisions? Secondly, what are the things currently in your life that may not align with what God has called you to in this season of your life? I think a really important question. I was, yesterday I was at a soccer game um, and it was absolutely freezing. Like, in the middle of the soccer game, I was standing on the sideline with an umbrella, and my umbrella almost flew out of my hand onto the field. It was really close. I mean, it was like hailing and pouring, and there was like massive amounts of wind out there that were coming at us. And uh, I noticed, and I was because I was thinking about um, what I was going to share today, and I, I noticed on the field um, as this happened and the wind got really strong that the game completely changed. Like, like the wind began to dictate the game. Um, And so what happened was it became a really ugly game quickly, and everybody was just kind of kicking the ball here and there and everywhere. And what happens a lot of times in those situations, and as a coach, I see it a lot, is is, uh, people just kind of throw out the window everything they've learned in the game 
and just are like, we just want to put it in the back of the goal and this wind's messing us up, so we're just going to kick it. And it makes the game really, really ugly. And the reality is that in, in our world and in our society and in our lives, a lot of times the world and society can begin to dictate what it looks like for us um, to be able to, to accomplish the things that God has called us to. It can sidetrack us. Um, it, can, it can move us away from the things that, that God would have for us. And so the question is, what are the things currently in your life that may not align with what God has called you to in this season of your life? And thirdly, who are the people that you believe God has called you to during this season of your life? So what do these three questions look like for you? And I just encourage us to, to just spend time in these questions and, and begin to think about these questions and take all the things um, that we have in our lives that we just talked about and begin the process of looking through, okay, what does it look like for us to develop a filter for us so that when we make these, these important decisions in our lives, not just the big decisions, even the small decisions, when we make these decision, decisions, are there things that can help guide us in those areas? So Brian's going to come up here and, and um, move us into a time of response. But before we do that, let's just allow God to speak. So if you could just close your eyes. And as you hear these things, let's just allow God to speak to us. What does God have to say to you about this? What are the things um, that God has impressed upon you in this? Um, what are the things that God seems to be impressing in you right now? So let's just spend a, a little bit of time just, just thinking through those things.